Good morning, Four Points family. I hope y'all are surviving well on this Snowmageddon Sunday. We were certainly disappointed that this winter storm came because we wanted to spend our next to last Sunday hanging out with y'all, but we're excited that we can come to you via Facebook Live and hang out. And so we're excited on that end, and we're excited to be in the house this morning and are excited as well that you're joining us in your house. So if you will share this message, uh, let's get the word out about how awesome Four Points is. And I believe, y'all, today I've got a word that can really help you. This is something that's practical. In some ways, y'all have heard little bits of this before, but we're going to put it together today as one of our culture points and um, I really believe that God's going to use this. A couple things before I get started. Next week, the 16th, is our last Sunday here, and so we're going to just celebrate. Um, if you're expecting a sad day in the morning, that's not what it's going to be. We're going to celebrate together, and then at 5.30 p.m. next Sunday night, we're going to have a party just celebrating all that God has done, so we would love for you guys to join us next Sunday night as well. And then on the 23rd, we're having two Christmas services on the 23rd morning, regular service times, 9.30 and 11.15. And then at 5.30, we're going to have one combined family Christmas service. Your kids can come in here. It's going to be an incredible night worship. I've already heard some of the stuff that they're going to do. It's going to be amazing. So you'll want to enjoy that time with your family here at Four Points because it's going to be a night that you won't forget. And so please mark your calendars. And then the last thing is on the 23rd, I'm going to talk about this a little more during my message, but we're going to do a gift offering, which is different than your regular tithes and offerings. It's different than just that. This is what the purpose of this offering is, is to propel us ahead into our next season as a church. Uh, we have land that we have purchased, and we are currently paying off. Certainly some of this, a good portion of this, will go toward paying our land off, but also preparing for our next season because it's a big season. And I just want to remind you of this, and I'll bring it up again. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 was the principle that we taught during Last Chance You, if you remember it, and it's that you throw your bread out in the morning, and then in due season or when it's time, a harvest will come back or that bread will come back and it will grow and it will form. And that principle is what we're believing God for in this. And it's really what my message is about today. It's really what my message is about today. I'm really excited. Today is our second culture point here at Four Points, and it is that we are open-handed, that we are open-handed, which sounds kind of weird. Like some people I'm sure would think, if you just came in off the street, does that mean like you like shaking people's hands? What does that mean? All that we mean by we are open-handed is we believe that God gives us things, and it could, it's our time and our talents and our money and our resources, and the purpose of God giving them to us is so that they can pass through us. Not He doesn't give us stuff so we can enjoy it just for us. He gives us anything, time, talent, resources, all that stuff, so that we can show the goodness of God to every person that we come in contact with. So as a culture point, we've tried to decide what is it that we honestly are. As a leadership team and as a group, what are we? And what is our church? And we decided that this is absolutely one of the things that we are. But here's what I just felt like the Lord told me that I was supposed to do in one of my final messages here is, is to give you testimony of how this has changed my life. 
how this being one of our culture points is more than just writing on a wall. It's literally changed my life the last five years. And this is why it's changed my life, because I realized this, and this is the title of my message. Your need is in your seed. My need is in my seed. My need is in my seed. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever known that God was calling you to do something, pulling you to do something? I, this is such an easy example. We know that God told us to buy land. And we owe not quite a half a million dollars to pay our land off. And so when I say the following thing, y'all are going to think to yourself, well, he ain't talking about me. But I'm telling you right now, I am. Because whatever is currently in the house is enough if we steward it well. If we do what God says, we already have everything that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. But it can't stay in the form that it is now because God does not send it in the form of maturity or the finished product. God always sends his supply through seed. So here's what I'm telling you. That land is paid for and so is our building. When you guys, as the house, as each member of the house, built on each other, stacked together, joined together, as we all sow our seed collectively and obediently, we've got more than we need to pay for that building, not just pay off the land. Why? Because God did not send us five and a half million dollars or five million dollars minus the 500000 to pay the land off. And that, that sounds crazy. If we could just get a check, Pastor, why don't we just pray that God will send that? If he did, we'd celebrate. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God tends to work the way that he puts in his word. See, watch this. In, Philipp in Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, my God, this is the end of Philippians, by the way. This is one of his, the very next verse is the last verse of Philippians, and it says that my God will supply every need of yours and every need of mine according to his riches, God's riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That it's through Christ that he sent his son. Like, like isn't that what the Christmas season is about? It's amazing that God sent his seed to us and that in him, Everything that we ever need is supplied to us. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I, I, I've found that over time and in my prayer life, I've so much desired to get the stuff that I need that I fail to realize that it's not mature when it gets to me. And so if I allow whatever hits my hand to feel like the finished product, here's what tends to happen. I look at it and go, God, I ask you, for this, and my heart was good. Because I'm going to assume today, if you're taking time during this, during this winter storm to sit down with your family and to watch this, I'm going to assume today that you want your life and your destiny in Christ Jesus to matter and for you to be able to do what he's called you to do. But here's the problem that we all face is it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. And whenever it comes in a different form than we thought it was going to come, or it looks less, then we look at it and say, no, nah, God, that, that's, not, that's not the supply that I need. Like, all my needs aren't met in this, God. It just looks like a little bit. It just looks like a little bit. 
So what I want to teach you for the next couple minutes is what the law of the harvest is really about. Law of the harvest, which sounds kind of weird. And all that means is whatever you plant, you're going to get. Right? So this is pretty simple. But if I go plant an apple tree out of apple seed and then I expect oranges to grow, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I'm not going to get caught up too much in this, but I'm just going to tell you. I was thinking about this today. Lee and I... Um, this morning, we were talking about this early, and this is what we were talking about is that we think it's so funny and ironic when, when parents complain about how their kids act. For instance, they complain constantly, and I hear parents say, my, par my kids are complaining constantly, but they live in a house where their parents are complaining constantly. Y'all, this law right here is not just about plants. This is an, an irrefutable irrevocable, you can't change it. And by the way, you don't have to be a Christian for this to work. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this law is still law. It works and it's always the case. The world calls it karma, but karma's not real. The law of the harvest is real. And this is where it started. In Genesis chapter one, anytime you see something for the first time, you should circle it because that's where a principle in the Bible starts. And in Genesis 1.11, it says, God said, let, earth, let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is its seed. It's their seed according to its kind. Then the next verse says that this is what happened and that the plants and the seeds and they produced and it produced and it produced. And then this is fascinating. If you keep reading Genesis 1, it says that God said to himself, let us make man in our own image. Verse 26 and 27, it says we were created in the image of God. Verse 28, then we're given our first commandment. This is where the law of the harvest is not just for plants, but then it's immediately given to you and I. He said, now go be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Which to some people, they thought it meant, cool, that means that I'm supposed to have babies. I'm supposed to reproduce me and Leah. And that's part of it. That's a little bit. But it really means whatever I am, because of what God made me to be and what he put in me, that's what I'm to reproduce. So, when it comes to the law of the harvest, you don't have to believe in God to be made in his image. You can deny his actual existence, but you can't get around the fact that you were made in his image. And you can't get around the fact that this is the law, and it's the law, and it's the law, and you can't, and, and it doesn't change. And here's the problem. Whenever it comes to kingdom living or living the way that God brought Jesus to this earth or sent Jesus in order for us to function, whenever it comes to us and how we live our lives, whenever we try to live in a different way, but we ask God to come fix our problems, I feel like if God would talk in an audible voice to us, he would say, I already sent it, but it was just seed. You missed it because you've tried to figure me out instead of trust me and walk in what I put on you. This works every time, y'all. I'm telling you, it's changed my life. And look at this. In Genesis 8, verse 22, it says that while the earth remains, as long as there's still an earth, and, and to the best of my knowledge, that's where we are, right? There's still an earth. There is seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, it shall not cease. As long as the earth remains, there's seed and there's time and there's harvest. And you know, that's where I think a lot of us give up. It's interesting that Galatians, Galatians teaches us that, that if we don't grow weary in doing good, we'll reap our harvest if we don't give up. It's this part of this verse. It's this part of this law 
that I think a lot of us, the time part, the time, the time, the time. Because whenever something hits my hands, I have a decision to make. Do I believe that God sent that in the smallest form or in the biggest form? It does not matter how much. Your heart's what matters. The decision that I have to make is, how will I steward what God just put in my hands? And will I be in a hurry? Because a lot of times what happens is, in my life at least, I've looked at how much I had. I've studied my bank account. I've tried to figure out what I want, what I need. We've tried to be disciplined. And then I look down and go, all right, God, this is how much you can possibly get. Rather than flipping it on its head and saying, I'm going to start with you. And even if it doesn't look smart to the public, to people that don't walk with you, if you call me to do something with my finances or with my time or with whatever, I'm going to do it because I know that if I plan it, it will multiply. But if I keep it, it'll die. And so, so if I will operate in this system, trusting that the harvest is not my responsibility and that God is the supplier of the seed, the only responsibility I have is to plant what he's given me, to steward it well is the word that we use, but it, it's to be wise with whatever God gives you. It, it is not always money, but in this case, we're going to talk about it in the form of money because I believe it's the hardest one to be, to be faithful with. I think that's why Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell and prayer combined because it is difficult because, listen, because we want ownership of what hits our hands. And the problem with that is to call him Lord is to then relinquish ownership under the true owner of all things. And it's easy to preach it, but it's harder to live it. So here's the other principle that I wanted to teach you this morning is we reap what we sow and we reap more than we sow. We reap what we sow, and we reap more than we sow. And here is a funny verse, Galatians 7, or excuse me, Galatians 6, verse 7, I mean. It says, don't be deceived. So you cannot believe this all you want to. But Paul is saying here, please don't be deceived by what you've been taught in your life. I wish I could have a conversation with myself from 10 years ago and say, you know what, buddy? You've been obedient. Leah and I tithed. We gave our first 10% to the church faithfully. But once that happened, listen, here was my mindset. Once that happened, I believe I was deceived because I thought the rest was mine to do whatever I wanted to with it. Do you know what happens when I'm obedient and I give my first tenth? I then have the opportunity for generosity. Until I'm obedient, generosity is not possible. So let me help you with something. If you decide to give for the first time all year to the gift where the green envelopes are out on the tree in our lobby, we're thankful. But I'm telling you, in, in the law of the harvest, I don't believe that you've sown a seed. I believe you've given a tip. I believe for the first time you've said, you know what, I'll do a little bit. But if you want to operate the way that God calls you to operate, where all of a sudden doors will open in your life and you go, how did this happen? I didn't make that happen. That could not have happened on my own. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows that, he will also reap. So you know what? Let's take it off money for a second. If I'm sowing jealousy, if I'm sowing hate, if constantly out of my mouth, what comes out of my mouth is negativity and hate and trying to be disruptive and, and, and I'm not full of unity 
where I'm trying to build people up and I'm believing the best in people, then when that's coming back at me, I should not be deceived. I should not be surprised. If every day in my house I, I'm negative over my family and I'm constantly complaining, then when I hear my kids complain, let me not be deceived. God is not mocked. This principle works in every area of our lives. But again, the hardest one is when it comes to money. It's when it comes to money. And on our offering envelopes that we talk about a lot on the back of our chairs, because we do offering different here, we put Galatians chapter, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 a long time ago. We printed those on the back of our offering envelopes. And the reason that we did is because I do believe that obedience is me giving my first fruits to God. But I also believe that when we walk with God, he will call us to whatever, whatever he desires to pass through us to give to. So I want y'all to know that Four Points Church is not the only place in the last several years that I've given to. It's not the only place. There's been several other churches. There's individuals. Lee and I give to people that have stuff. And the reason that we give that is because we believe in the principle of the blessing. Where God said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. So listen, if there's somebody in your life, this is how I've lived my life. And this is why I believe God's opened doors. And I just wanted to teach you this as I was leaving. Because I may not even be able to fully explain it, but I promise you it, it works and it's unbelievable because God's principles work if you work them. And so if, if there's a place that I know that I desire to go and there's a, there's a good soil, this is what I believe God calls your soil, your heart. And if you find someone that you trust that is, not a, that is not a crazy person, that's not trying to just sell a piece of their hair and they'll give you a hanky if you give them $100 and all this stuff and it's weird, I'm not asking y'all to give to that. But if there's a person in your life, maybe in your occupation, maybe in your field, I sow into them. I've sown into people. I've given to people that didn't have as much because God's told us that's who I want you to give to. And I'm not going to tell you who it is because I believe that's a private matter. Y'all, we've cleared our bank account completely out three different times in the last four years. And the reason isn't so I can tell y'all that. I never told you that when I was planning on being here for 35 years. But I can tell you that now with a clear conscience because it's not self-serving. And you know, I'm not telling you that so you're impressed. I'm telling you that because God called us to do it. And Leah and I labored over it, y'all. I mean, we, and the reason we labored over it is because we were like, how can we make this happen? The last time we did it, it was a fairly significant amount. To us, it was a very significant amount. And we just thought to ourselves, we've saved this money for this long, and God did not even call us to give it to Four Points. It was to another church who was in a building campaign. And I just believe what Romans chapter 4 says, what we make happen for others, God will make happen for us. How do you believe that, Pastor? Well, it's not just Romans chapter 4, verse 17, but it's also the law of the harvest. And I believe it all comes from this thought, that the point is this, that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows, excuse me, sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And I don't know about you, but the way that my life has changed now is every time I get an opportunity, here's the questions that I ask. Is that good soil? And I'm just here to tell you, on my way out the door, on the 23rd of December, I'll be sowing a seed into four points. Why? Because this is good soil. 
Because I believe in the leadership of our church. Because I believe in the direction we're going. And I believe that we're putting bread down on the water so that in our next season, we're going to reap a harvest that's so much bigger with people who are trusting Christ as Savior in that building down the road. Because I could really care less about a building, but I care about the tens of thousands of people that are going to be reached in the upstate as a result of our obedience in Christ Jesus. He does not have a limit of his supply. He just has a limit of people that will distribute it out once it hits their, their hands. And I just... And I just want to be that person in my life, y'all. And I've lived this way. I want to be open-handed. I want to be the person that can say, I've reaped bountifully, but it wasn't how good I was. It was how good he is. God always looks for people he can trust because God is trustworthy. God does not give you things because he is mad at you. God does not withhold his hand because he likes me more than you or likes the other person that you know is quote-unquote blessed more than you. God is not a respecter of persons, but principles. And when you walk in his principles, when you walk by faith and not by sight, when you say, God, none of this is mine, what an honor it is for me to get to open my hands up. You tell me and I'll do it. You lead me and I'll do it. It changes your life because your supply shows up in seed and God lets you distribute it as you see fit. And if my distributing it becomes how much can I get for me, well, then I've reached the maturity level of my supply. Now, let me just say this before I continue. You may not have ever practiced this principle, principle excuse me, and you may, not, you may have stuff. And you may think to yourself right now, you know what, Pastor? I got more stuff than you. And you might. You may have made more money in the last year than me, but that's not the point. You may have, from an earthly standpoint, had more success than you think that I've had, and that's not the point. The point is this. If I don't operate in God's principles, then I've put all the responsibility on myself. And y'all, I'm just telling you, I'm not good enough for that. I don't want to be responsible for my soul. I don't want to be responsible for my life. So as a result, I've decided to be radical in my life. And it works. It's, it's, the, it's the greatest life. God may, God may do something in your life that you never expected, but that's okay. Because I believe that we put some bread on the water and our next season's already paid in full because he's supplying as we go. But it never looks like what we thought it was going to look like because it always shows up in seed. Now, if you want to be responsible for your life, you can just turn this off right now. But if you want God to richly supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, then open your hands up and keep listening because this is what I believe we're called to do. We are called to give as we decide in our hearts, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Say, Pastor, how can I be cheerful when all I make is $500 per week and you're asking me to give some of that? As long as you have to ask how much do I have to. And you don't change your mindset and the way that you believe that God's kingdom operates, you'll never be cheerful and you'll always be reluctant. And you know what? I respect that. 
Because at the end of the day, we got to pay bills. And at the end of the day, life is hard. But I don't know what happens. I've really asked the Lord this week, give me the words to articulate this correctly. And the only thing that I can tell you is this. I can't make sense of how God's, God's operating system works when it comes to all things. Because I'm not that smart. But I know this. The moment that we started truly doing this and not just saying, okay, here's the bare minimum we need to do so that God's not mad at us. God was never mad at us. God has such a greater plan for your life than I could ever dream of. And I believe most people miss destiny because they try to reach it on their own. Your destiny's been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to work to get to your destiny. You've got to work the principles that God put in you so your destiny has already been reached. God's been where you are going. You've got to decide if you're going to be reluctant and say, oh, I'm going to grit my teeth and not do this, or if you're going to just open your hand and say, you know what, this is all yours anyway. What an honor it is that I get to give. Every time money hits our hands, every time a check comes in the mail, every time I get paid to do whatever we do, I get excited because I say this, God, you tell me and I'll plan it because I would rather this go further and faster and be better than just stay in a bank account somewhere. Now, sometimes I believe God does not lead us more than just to give our first fruits. And when that's the case, we don't because we genuinely ask God what I've asked you almost every week in the history of our church. I always ask you, just ask the Lord, because if you listen, it'll be way more than if I, if I put you under compulsion. I do not believe that's how the kingdom operates. I do not believe that's how heaven's culture is supposed to be. But I believe when we, as followers of Jesus, make the decision that we're going to be open to whatever God says to us, it'll be way, way, way better than we could ever dream of. So ask yourself this question honestly. In your life, I don't care if you're 70 or 17, up till this point, have you been responsible for you? Or have you been a person that applies this, these principles to your life? Because God loves a cheerful giver. So every time we get to give, we say, I can't wait to see what God does because we don't know. And, and look at this. God is able. I wish at your chair right now or if you're sitting at your table, I wish you'd just say able because he is able. God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able to make all grace abound to Mark, to me. God is able. God is able. Watch this. He loves a cheerful giver. And then it says right after that, then God is able. You know, God is God and he can do anything that he wants. But God set up a system where he chooses to withhold Because he knows it's going to stop when it hits your hands. And it's a hard issue. But when we're cheerful givers, he's able to make all grace abound. Now, all that grace means is God sending, giving, pouring out what we don't deserve. It's God giving us what we don't deserve. So, so Jesus is the greatest example of grace. But y'all... This word just means charis. It's where we get the word charity from because it's C-H-A-R-I-S. And it's like when, when you see someone 
and you show them kindness and they didn't deserve it, or you give some people money and they didn't deserve it, that is my everyday life. And when I can posture myself or when I realize that, that no matter how hard I work, that is not where the goodness comes from. That every good gift, what James says, every good gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, that, that he makes all grace abound to me so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work and God makes my good works possible. God does not need my good works. He's the good that he brings to the table. He just needs an open heart and an open vessel where I'll just say, God, if you call me to it, you've already paid for it. You've already purchased it. You've already bought it. And I get to just be it. I just get to walk in it. So I open my hands. I open my heart and I say, you've already done this, God, because you are able. You are able. You are able. But the problem is that my grace shows up as seed. And your grace shows up as seed. Seems to always show up as seed. And oftentimes it's not what we thought it would look like. Because it says, as it is written, he, meaning God, has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Can I tell you something about this? That means when I give to the poor or I do something that looks righteous, which just means right standing with God, when I do these things, it's his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, It is not that I've done a big deed when I give to the poor. If God tells me to do that, he's the one that distributes to the poor. He was just able to pass it through me. Watch this, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower. This is all one thought. Think about this. He's able he who supplies seed to the sower, we're the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply my seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. How does he do that when he knows that I'll be faithful? Look at this. God doesn't just want to get his grace, his seed, to you. He wants grace to pass through you. God is never limited by his supply. He's limited by our stewardship. Listen to me. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get it through you, he'll multiply it to you. You don't have to be the person that decides how good it's going to be on the back end. He is the Lord of the harvest and he is the supplier of the seed. You are responsible for the middle. Seed, time, and harvest. You take it, you look at it, you say, it's mine, I'll keep it. Then it stopped with you. But if you take it and look at it and say, I'm going to be open-handed because my need is in my seed. My next season is because I was obedient now. My next season is paid in full and then some because He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think. He's God, y'all. He's the whole equation. Because as we started, my God will supply every need of yours according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I just want to finish with this thought. If this feels like manipulation, I don't apologize because I don't know how else to do it. 
It breaks my heart if it does because I'm telling you this principle has changed my life. If you will just be open in your life and say, God, everything is yours. I just think of the words of King David where he said, who am I or who, and who are my people that we get to give to you? When the land that the temple was going to be built on was offered to David for free, he said, I will not build God's house on something that costs me nothing. And I just believe that translation means if God offers us a piece of land, we shouldn't turn it down. I don't think that's the point at all. I just think from a principal perspective, King David was saying, I don't understand why God is so good to me. But if he calls me to something, I trust him. If God calls me tonight and Leah tonight to empty our checking account out or when we sell our house, empty all that we make on it and give every bit away, I'd be excited. And I'm going to tell you why. It means God is opening us up for whatever he's got next. God never wants to take from you. It's his. And God does not need, listen carefully, what I have. He's God. (laughs) I just think he puts us to the test sometimes to see, can I trust him? And I think our ability to trust God shows God if he can trust us. Because if we say, God, I don't get this, I don't understand, but I really feel like you put this number or this person or this thing in my heart, so I'm open-handed and I'm going to give to the gift. I'm open-handed, so I'm going to give to that family. I'm open-handed, so I'm going to give my time. It'll change your life. Because this principle is amazing and it's powerful that my need is in my seed and that God supplies the seed and that I get to be open. But I just want to finish with the best thing of all. That the reason this principle is true is because of him. Because Revelation 13 verse 8 says that before the foundations of the world the lamb, meaning Jesus, was slain for us. He was was killed on the cross. God didn't one day gather himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together and say, you know what, this whole thing ain't working. We got to send Jesus. Before you were ever thought of, before the earth was thought of, before anything else happened, God knew that he would send his son Can I tell you why people missed it? Oh, my goodness. If y'all missed this part, it's the best part. People missed it because they expected a conquering king to show up with a crown looking good. And what showed up was a seed born of a virgin. The Bible says that he was the seed of David in the perfect line of the Messiah, but he was also the seed of the Holy Spirit who birthed him, who impregnated Mary. He was perfect in every way, but no one expected him because he wasn't from the place that they thought he was. Because he was fully God and fully man, yet he threw off his deity, meaning his God-likeness. And they just saw a simple man. And in 33 years, he lived sinlessly. And in the last three, he did his earthly ministry and he healed people and he walked among people and some people received him, but most people rejected him. Why? Because they didn't realize that their need was in the seed. 
And the Bible says that unless a seed dies, I'm going to preach so good. Unless the seed dies, it can never live again. And guess what? The seed died. But God was not angry with Jesus when he allowed Jesus to be killed. And he certainly wasn't angry with you. He loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his seed. That whoever believes and trusts would not die, but would live. Why? Because the seed died so you didn't have to. Here's what happened when the seed rose again. is because the seed was planted into the ground for three days. When he rose, he was able to leave his spirit. The spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And when you trust him as Savior, he lives in you. And that's why Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I did. Why? Because this principle works and it works and it works and it works. And it's the greatest gift anyone can ever get. And it's what Christmas is really all about. That a baby wasn't just a baby. But it was in the lowliest of places, God sent his seed. Because the world's entire need showed up as seed. And every day, the goodness of God shows up at our door. And it's in seed. So here's what I want you to do. You can trust Jesus right where you, right where you sit, right where you're listening to this. If you're driving down the road, you can trust Jesus just simply like this. Jesus you are Lord, you're my Savior, I have sinned, and I don't deserve to be your son, to be saved and to be set free, but today I receive what you died on the cross to accomplish, and I trust you as Lord, I give you my life, I give you my life, I believe if you say that, and if you mean it in your heart and confess that he's your Lord, the Bible says that you are saved. And he will change you. And if you don't have a church, we want you to come to Four Points. Find a great church that you can attend that's close to your house, wherever you live, that preaches the truth about Jesus. And this is for everybody else as I close. Friends, I just wanted to give you a message that God's done in my life to change my heart because here's what I realized. God's goodness doesn't show up in envelopes. God's goodness doesn't show up in a fancy car. God's goodness shows up in everything. But most of the time it shows up as seed. And if you, if you see it for what it really is, whatever it is, it'll change your life when you operate in the law of the harvest. Because if the people in Jesus' day, would have realized what God sent them in Jesus himself, in his one and only son, in the Messiah they had been waiting on, it would have changed their life, but they missed him. He became the stone that those builders rejected, but he doesn't have to be the stone that you reject. In your everyday life, if you've trusted Jesus, a lot of you have stayed there your entire lives, wondering why it never feels any different, wondering why you feel stuck your entire lives. The reason the reason is because your need is in your seed. Jesus loves you. And he will change your life if you operate in his goodness. So let's be open-handed, friends. And let's watch God do more than we can ask or imagine. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you've supplied all my needs 
and all their needs according to your riches in glory in Jesus. So now, God, may we posture ourselves in our lives, in our everyday, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our attitudes, the way we interact with people, that every word that I say is a seed. Every action that I do is a seed. Every step that I take, everything that I do, may it be for your glory and your honor so that it goes farther, so that it's more. God, you receive all the glory because you're worthy. You're worthy. And Jesus, I'm just believing that at the end of this month, there's going to be a harvest that comes out of the seed that we sow as a church into our next season with the gift offering that is going to blow our minds. So bless it, Lord, and may you increase it with our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed. Be safe. We'll see you next week.